What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, on this Thursday night, joined, as always, by the uh, one and only, uh, got the rainbow lights going on behind him, at Marcus underscore Mosher. Hello, sir. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Marcus. It's, uh, it is Thursday. We watched uh, some... Thursday night football and Elliot's doing shots here to get through the podcast. So it's going to be a great <laughs> pretty <show>. much. <laughs> that might've been the most dog. That might've been the cruddiest NFL game. I've seen in the last 20 years. I'm not exaggerating. That's not hyperbole. I mean it. I, it how can I argue with you? <laughs> I, can't, I texted you after the first two drives of this game, and I said, this is why I hate Thursday night football. Oh, my gosh, And it only man. got worse from that point on. I mean, what, what we're not going to recap the whole game. Uh, the Colts won in overtime, 12-9 to nine in a stupid fashion. Russell Wilson threw an incompletion on fourth and one from, what, the four-yard line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the worst play of the game for you? Uh, probably the Wilson interception. I mean, the duck was bad, but the interception to Gilmore that set up the Colts tying drive and regulation. Because you were in automatic field goal range at that point, right? You, if Run you the clock, like, play the percentages. My gosh. It, if you don't like the read... You tuck it and run, you let the clock run, and you're up six with two minutes left against an offense that really had done nothing all day long. I I, I mean, yeah. Uh let me let me just address something right off the top here. I know it was a popular Twitter take for everyone to talk about how garbage this game was, and of course they were all right. But <laughs> I remember So what's the problem? <laughs> I remember in 20, was it 2015? I think that was the year. Seattle played Arizona on a Sunday night game, and it was 6-6. Six to six. That was and totally every, different. And everyone complained about what a garbage game it was. And I and I remember being one of the only people that said, this is not a garbage game at all. This, this is a really exciting game because there were, like, really exciting plays made on defense, like really great plays. There were block kicks, and there were – you know, just Herculean plays made by Chandler Jones and, you know, other guys. That had, this game had none no. of that. No, even uh, Kirk Herbstreet said, like in overtime, well, good performances by both these defenses. And Al Michael said, that's one way to say it. <laughs> Man. Uh, first of all, can we just, can we talk about Al? Uh, this was peak Al Michaels tonight. Like, he did not want to be there. It seemed like he was held hostage in that uh, broadcast booth, and you could tell, and I loved every second of it. Oh, man. They were trying so hard to make things interesting, and as they were trying to talk about schedule, they posted that uh, – sorry about popping that P there uh, – that the commanders were visiting the Bears next week, and I just looked at the screen. <laughs> I said nothing. Do you know how many times I switched over to a far more like happy broadcast? I watched Apollo 13 while I was watching this game. Uh, following week, Saints at Cardinals. Get ready. Oh, man. Great Thursday this is, night football coming up. 
I want to know what the discussion was in the control room. Having been in control rooms during live broadcasts many, many times in my life, I really wanted to know what was the discussion like when the director of this game decided to take Broncos fans leaving the game early? Because as funny as that was, and I applaud Amazon for kind of, I think the director was kind of playing to Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet's dry sense of humor about it. But basically Amazon was poo-pooing its own product (laughs) saying this is such garbage that the fans are leaving. I mean, they have self-awareness, like give them that, right? Uh, Well, they didn't show the crowd leaving again. So I don't think that, I don't think it was self-awareness. I think somebody got on the horn. I'm not kidding. I think somebody got on the horn. Look, those control rooms, they have phones. Of course, everyone's got a cell phone. Somebody got on the horn right away and said, stop with that now. No more showing fans leaving. And they didn't. They didn't even show the far off crowd shots to show half the stadium being empty. I'm not kidding. I noticed that right away. To be fair to the fans, they were right. I, I mean, hey, I agree. I, I mean, just have you ever seen only, that? Not have you only ever were they right that? to leave early, like they were also right, like they knew what was gonna happen. It's like they they just wanted to get out of there before they they had to witness what was gonna happen, right? Hey man. Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos, this era, the Hackett Broncos, actually that's a really appropriate name for this team, uh, have accomplished two things that I have never seen in 40 years of watching NFL football. Two things. One, a crowd leaving when the game is tied going into overtime, a home game. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. No, when a cha- the team's got a chance. The team's got a chance to go three and one here. I right? haven't even seen that at a high school football game. Or wait, uh, yeah, they got three and one, uh, three, three and two, two. Yeah. three and two. Okay. The other thing I've never seen happen before happened a couple of weeks ago, where the Broncos fans had such little faith in Nathaniel Hackett that they were counting down the play clock. Did you see that against Houston? Yes. Yes. So this leads me into my not hot take at all fresh out of the oven. Nathaniel Hackett might be the worst head coach in pro football. He bungled this game so badly. The Broncos were up three with what, Marcus, a minute 45 to go? Something like that. Mm -hmm. The Colts had burned their timeouts on the front end of the two-minute warning. And the Broncos could run the clock, run the ball, run the clock down, and then kick a field goal with, I don't know, 50-something seconds left. If you saw the Colts' offense tonight, there's no way they were getting a touchdown with no timeouts in 50 seconds on this defense. Never. And what's he do? He calls a a pass play where Russell Wilson throws uh, basically a deep post and gets picked. We should be clear. Not to Jerry Judy, not to uh, Cortland Sutton, but Tyree Cleveland against the former Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore. Well, that's on Wilson. I'm sorry, I got to... Um, <laughs> so many bad decisions. Excuse uh, me. Going back to overtime, Nathaniel Hackett, it's fourth and one from the three-yard line, I believe. And they decided to go for it. 
first of all, did you agree with the decision to go for the win rather than to kick the field goal and try to tie the game and over? I was fine with that. I was fine with if you if you put the decision in isolation, like in a vacuum, I'm fine with it, but not the play calls setting well, that up. It no. If if you go back and you watch the little interaction that Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett have after the second timeout, Colts took a timeout, and then the Broncos took one. They get together and Hackett clearly asks them, like, run or pass. And Russ says, pass. Why are, I mean, I know that he's your superstar quarterback, but you're running right through them, right? Like, just give the ball to Melvin Gordon and he'll get a yard. How about how about give Wilson a run pass option on the edge? It's, I, but you know, look, I, I we could we could. I didn't like the fact that they threw on first down and then ran ran. Not because there's anything wrong with throwing on first down, but the success that the Broncos had running the ball late in the fourth quarter. Just keep going at it. Keep going at it. What the heck are you doing? They threw on first down, then they ran, then they ran. They went for it on what was it, fourth and goal? Yeah, fourth. No, they, they could have gotten fourth a first and down. two. They could have yeah, gotten fourth a first and two down. from like, yeah, okay. So that throw, Russell Wilson drops back. He's got four receivers in the route. He throws a pass over the middle that he tries to sidearm gun in there. <clears throat> the receiver has half a step at best, at best. But by the time the ball gets there, Gilmore's gonna Gilmore's gonna run it down, which he does. He makes up that half step. Why is Russell Wilson trying to gun that ball? That pass did not have a chance. He is so reluctant to run, Marcus. And, and the other thing is that play is designed to go to the right side of the field. They ran a flat slant to the right side, and I think it was Tyree Cleveland. He picked the defender without without making contact. The two Colts defenders ran into each other, and K.J. Hamler underneath, wide, wide open in the slant, which is the first read, and Russ never looked at him. Never well, at him. not only that, but, you know, look, I've, I've stood next to Russell Wilson. They say he's 5'11". I don't even think he's 5'11". He probably didn't see it. Russell Wilson, a few years ago on that same play, would have pulled the ball down and danced around, maybe done a backside escape, you know, when the, the pass, when the pocket started to collapse. And then as he's running for the end zone, he would have either given the defender a little move like he was going to pass and then die for the goal line, yep. or he would have thrown the ball. Instead, he just stood there. It's like, I don't want to run no matter what, which makes me wonder was he a little more banged up than we think from that throw earlier in the game, or does Russell Wilson just not want to run the ball anymore? Maybe both. Um, since we're talking about Russell, we should also talk about Matt Ryan, who, uh, listen, um, you and I had some discussions about Matt Ryan this offseason, whether he was cooked or not. Um, we're through five games now. I know they won tonight in the ugliest fashion ever. Uh, Ellie, I'm sad to report that Matt Ryan is officially washed. Like it, we, I, I don't care what you say. He, he's washed. Well, I'll give him a little bit of credit for tonight that he stood in there, made some difficult throws on the last drive. I kind of agree with Kirk Herbstreit. I don't know how he got the ball out on a couple of those throws. He was under tremendous pressure 
but I don't disagree with you. I don't think Matt Ryan is that kind of player anymore, but is Matt Ryan worse than Russell Wilson? Cause I'll tell you right now, Russell Wilson played a worse game than Matt Ryan did tonight. I mean, that those, throws, I, I don't know. We're, we're, we're not even talking about the punt that I Russell know. Wilson basically threw up. I, I don't disagree. And that's why this is so frustrating, but I, I mean, Let's just put this out there. The the offensive tackles for the Colts tonight were absolute disasters. They were playing a rookie at left tackle, Bernard Ryman, who had four penalties and gave up three sacks. And he wasn't even their worst tackle in the game. Mm-hmm. Matt Pryor on the right side was awful, absolutely awful. But Matt Ryan's at the point in his career now where he just doesn't step up in the pocket anymore. He's getting back to the, the, you know his seven-step drop, and he's just standing there, and he's like a sitting duck. And Baron Browning and Bradley Chubb, were, they knew that. Like They knew if they get just to get to the top of the rush, they're going to get to him every single time. It, Matt Ryan looked awful in this game. Uh, all the, I mean, everything was awful. I, the Broncos' defensive coaching was awful. Why are they playing off on that last drive? Go press those receivers. I mean, Ryan's not going to push the ball down the field. He's struggling to throw a 12-yard out. So why are you playing off? They allowed Pierce to get a couple of catches there and give that kid some credit. He really fought for the ball. But my gosh, like, oh, I, the game was so ugly on so many fronts. I'm mean, As bad as Hackett was, I have to defend the guy a little bit. You, you don't expect your quarterback to bungle things so poorly. We haven't even talked about the interception that Russell Wilson threw late in the fourth quarter, up nine to six. They've got the ball at about the, what, 32-yard line of the Mm -hmm. Colts? They're in McManus's range easily. McManus has got a leg, okay? Mm -hmm. They're in his range. Just eat the ball. Like, literally, get out of the pocket, throw it away. He just threw a ball literally up for grabs. You know which play I'm talking about, yes? Yep. What else can you say about that? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, So can we play a little game? Sure. You got to win a game tomorrow. Okay, we're in a conference championship game. Let's go through the league and name every quarterback you'd rather have than Russell Wilson right now. Right now. Right now. So we're going to start in the NFC East. You want Jalen Hurts? Yes. You want Carson Wentz? Then honestly, Russ? honestly, no, better, no. but I, I'll give Russell the benefit of the yeah, doubt. Yeah, give me Russ. Okay, so we've got one so far. Hurts. Daniel Jones, yes. I want Daniel Jones' rushing ability. Oh, Daniel Jones. Yep. I'll take his legs. Daniel <laughs> okay, Jones would have won that game tonight. I'm deferring to you on that one, but my gosh. Okay, keep going. Well, okay, first, would Daniel Jones have thrown those picks? Probably. Daniel Jones is not. No, he would not have thrown that <laughs> ball up for grabs. He would not. And That's would fine. Daniel Jones, when that read wasn't open on fourth and two, you know what he would have done? He would have run right into the middle of that line okay. and gotten the first down. Uh, so I'll take Daniel Jones. Uh, we take in, uh, do you want Cooper Rush or do you want Russell Wilson? I'll take Cooper Rush. What about Dak? I'm being, I'm being totally serious. No, I'm just going with who's playing right okay. now, the way they're playing right now. Okay. Um, Cooper Rush or Russell Wilson to win a game tomorrow? I, I will still take no Russ. Way. No way. No I'm way. I'm deferring to pedigree a little bit. I'm not deferring. I've got three quarterbacks so far. Okay, NFC North, you taking Justin Fields? No, I'll, I'll take Russell Wilson. That's fine. Yeah. 
Okay, Aaron Rodgers. Take Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, hot take. But yeah, That's four. Kirk Cousins. Oh, I think Cousins, yeah. Okay, Jared Goff. Come on, man. Jared Goff threw four touchdowns last week. Okay. Right sure. now. Sure, go right, ahead. That's six. Okay, uh, Marcus Mariota, I'll take Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I'll take Russell Wilson. Yeah. Tom Brady, right, at yeah. seven. Okay, uh, Jameis. I'll take Wilson still. Okay, we'll take Wilson. I'm fine with that one. Uh, now, Taysom Kyler Hill. Murray. No, Kyler Murray, yes. Okay. Uh, Matt Stafford. I won't take Matt Stafford. I'll take Stafford. I won't. I won't because if we're not doing pedigree at all, both of them are playing awful. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. I know. But at least Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw interceptions way down the field like that. No, he'll just step out of the back of the end zone, which will hurt you as well. Actually, Jimmy Garoppolo probably would have ran for that last play. But go ahead. I'll, I will defer to you. On I'll take one. Russ there. Okay, you take Russ. So we've only got eight NFC quarterbacks so far. Oh, wait, no, Geno Smith. I'll take Geno Smith right now. Geno Smith is clearly outplaying him. Yeah, I don't know how you can argue that one. Okay, so we got nine. All right, we'll go to the AFC. Josh Allen? Yes. That's 10. Um, Teddy Bridgewater. I'll take Teddy Bridgewater. (laughs) Teddy, who started for Denver last year. Yeah, I'll take him. Okay, fine. All right, that's 11. Bailey Zappi, I'll take Russ. Yeah, close. All right, Zach Wilson? Russ. And Zach Wilson tried to give away the game multiple times last week. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've only disagreed with one on with you okay. so far really bad, and that's Daniel Jones. Okay. Uh, okay. Where do the AFC North now? Joe Burrow? Yes. That's 12. Uh, ooh, uh, Jacoby Brissett. To win a game tomorrow, you need to go to the Super Bowl. You've got to win. I think I'm taking Jacoby. I mean, with the but way that they're playing, I probably, yeah. Okay. So that's 13. Uh, Lamar Jackson? Yep. That's 14. Okay. Uh, pick it. Got to no. go Russ, right? Okay. Yep. All right. We're at 14. Matt Ryan? <laughs> How could you take Matt Ryan over that <laughs> I'm game? asking. I'm asking you. I'm, I'm uh, trying to give you first word here. I would take Russ. Okay, I'm with you. I'm I'm fine with that. Oh, Davis Mills. Russ. Mills. Okay, really Tre- Russ. Trevor Lawrence. I'm taking Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. That's 15. Okay. Uh Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. Rough start to the year, but I'm taking Tannehill. That's 16. Mm-hmm. All right. Where do they AFC West? You taking Mahomes? Yeah, that's 17. Mm-hmm. You taking Herbert? Yeah, that's uh 18. You taking Carr? 19. 19. 19 quarterbacks you'll take right now to win a game. Over Russell Wilson. And that's with a lot of backup quarterbacks playing because we didn't really mention Dak. Yeah. We didn't mention Tua. I can't believe Mac you would take Cooper Rush to, to win a game. If you had the same teams and you could have Russell Wilson or Cooper Rush, I'll I'm take taking Cooper Rush right now. Uh, I mean, we've, we're in a dark place, Elliot. I, can, you imagine, can you imagine what Bronco fans are thinking right now? We just gave up a whole bunch of picks, $250 <sighs> million guaranteed to Russell Wilson, and we're only in game five of the next 300 games, basically. If you're Broncos' new ownership, are you more ticked off that this is our head coach or that this is our quarterback? Quarterback, because you can replace the head coach next year. Right, because the money, that's exactly what I was thinking. Now, if you're as a fan base, who are you more ticked off about? The coach. Me too. That's exactly what I would say. You're thinking, hey, we have Doug Peterson in here. 
this is a different ball game. Uh, we have Dan Quinn in here. Oh man. Well, Dan because, Quinn, they couldn't have gotten. Well, no, they they could. That's that's where Dan Quinn wanted to go. That was the only job that Dan Quinn was going to take. You sure um, he was going to take that and not stay yes. in Dallas? You're yes. sure, hundred okay. percent sure. So they, because my understanding was that Dan Quinn really had strong leanings towards staying. He did where right where he was. The only job that he wanted was the Denver job because he was friends with George Patton. But okay. when Aaron Rodgers floated the idea out there that he might want to join the Broncos, that's when Denver decided to go with Nathaniel Hackett, hoping that would lure. Aaron Rodgers. All right. <sighs> Listen, every once in a while, we are blessed with some really awful coaches, right? Like we got Jim Tom Sula for a year, right? That was a lot of fun. We got Freddie Kitchens for a year. I'll Let's just Jim enjoy Tom Sula all day. Let's just enjoy the Nathaniel Hackett experience for as long as we have it. So if you did not watch this game, like I said, it became I'm a popular jealous. take. Uh, yeah, popular take <laughs> on Twitter to call it garbage, but it it, it, it was too nice to it, garbage. It, it, it's too nice to garbage. There were dumb penalties when Matt Ryan did make good throws. Drops. How many balls did the Colts receivers drop in the a second lot. half? A lot. Yeah, and the ones uh, that were just punched out. You know, as the guy was catching the ball and. Just terrible coaching decisions. The Broncos playing off on the Colts receivers when Matt Ryan not only can't get the ball down the field, he doesn't have the protection because the tackles, as Marcus alluded to, were so bad. He didn't have time to to get the ball down the field. The um, getting Broncos get these huge runs, and you think, yeah, they're easily going to win this game. And their coach literally screws it up, decides to throw for the end zone when, uh, yeah, okay, we already went over that part of it. I can't, I you know what? I'm sorry. I, all right. I need I, sip. Yeah, I. Um, <laughs> I'll give you some. the The Colts had four fumbles in this game, and they didn't lose any of them. <laughs> oh gosh! It's such a crappy game. The Broncos had a I blocked field goal that was like a thirty five yard field goal that probably would have ended the game. It, oh, one of the genius moments of the game. The Colts are driving down the field. I even tweeted tonight. I was like, "This, please don't go to overtime." And they look. Amazon decides again. Amazon's director there to save the day decides to cut to the Colts kicker, and he's got his eyes fully closed for a good couple of seconds. <laughs> it's perfect. I- the Colts kicker just on the sideline with his eyes closed, like. Oh gosh! Don't I, I just I want to tell you the difference between you and I really quickly. Um, twelve eleven twenty one p.m. Eastern time. You tweeted, "Please don't go to overtime." Me at eleven twenty one p.m. Eastern time. Please go to overtime. <laughs> we were rooting for completely different things at that point. I just wanted to see as much bad football as possible because that was a lot of fun. Except not at all. Man, oh man! I you know. This goes to something that uh, there's a lot. Tom Brady's been in the news for personal reasons, which I think is not really worth talking about. No. Frankly, um, he didn't do anything wrong. Just uh, personal stuff, you know that that it's not uh, stuff for the to deal with. Exactly, yep. it's so silly. 
but not silly what he's going through, but silly that people are so talking about it. However, he did, uh, it was either yesterday or today in uh, a press conference with Tampa Bay reporters talked about how lousy of football has been played this year. And I could not agree more. The NFL's product has sucked this year, straight up sucked. Like the quality of football that we've seen and there, there are multiple reasons for that. But if I had to put my finger on one uh, that's unique to past years is something you and I alluded to last week. Marcus with a very confined training camp and almost no preseason, it's like we're watching glorified preseason football with the starters right now. I I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. Um, having said that, how excited are you to watch Washington, Tennessee oh, this weekend? Listen, I know Chicago. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, was, next yeah, Thursday, this, yeah. Yeah, oh. we've got Bears, Vikings this week, Titans, Commanders, hey, 49ers, you know Panthers. I'll tell you what I like about watching Washington, Tennessee. You know what I would do? I would say, hey, Nathaniel Hackett, go watch how Mike Vrabel handles that football team. Because Mike Vrabel may not be like this, this genius status, you know, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Tactician. Do you think? But clock management. And just game management, he knows what he wants to do. He's decisive about it. And he gets the most out of his team. Um, I I agree. Can I just talk about vest game? Really sweet sweater vest game. He likes the sweater vest with the dry fit long sleeve underneath. Have you noticed that? I have. And the Um, big sunglasses, the F-350 diesel sunglasses. Can I give you one more thing on Russell being cooked before we head out? You ready? Yeah. How many he he attempted 18 passes beyond six air yards on Thursday. Okay. 18 passes. How many do you think he completed? Well, let me just if you guys don't any of y'all don't know what air yards are are, that's the amount of yards the ball traveled in the air from the line of scrimmage, Correct. not from his hand. So yep. Six yards past the line of scrimmage. If he's, you know, six yards back of the line of scrimmage, you're still only talking about 12 yards in the air. Out of 18, I'm going to go five. So he had the deep one to Cortland Sutton where the two receivers were fighting over the ball, right? Remember that Mm -hmm. one? Mm -hmm. He had the one in overtime to Jerry Judy on like the little leak play, right? Mm -hmm. And that's it. He had two completions over six air yards on Thursday. That used to be the best part of, Russell's game is like throwing the ball down the field on those moon balls. He just can't do it anymore. And the only reason that one was completed was because the referee knocked down two Colts defenders. It, listen, Elliot, it, he's cooked. Like he's officially cooked. You know, we talked um, right before the season started when uh, Patrick got hurt. And I said, Marcus, this is a big injury. This is a really big injury for them. And I still feel that way. I know they have the name brands at wide receiver and on paper, it looks like a good receiver core. It's not the same without Patrick. I'm not going to say any more than that. Cause you tell me I'm really hard on one particular player, but well, I know you're not a big Sutton fan, but Jerry Judy before, before overtime had one catch for six yards. Yeah. And that's, that's problematic. And, and, and not all that uncommon. You look at his box score from earlier this season, 
you know, one catch for three yards against Houston, two catches for 17 yards against the 49ers. Like, yeah, this is a disturbing trend for a first round pick. Yeah. And at least Sutton has put it on tape in the past. Sutton's Mm -hmm. had some good seasons in the NFL. Um, It's just, they really miss that guy, but going back to the quality of football real quick, one of the most memorable, and I saw somebody tweet this tonight, one of the most memorable regular season games ever, uh, the 49ers played the Giants in 1990, and the score was like, I want to say it was like 10 to 3, and you would think, oh, that's a boring game. And that game was so riveting because mm-hmm. it was played so crisply and hitting and tackling and not sloppy. And there's something about when a game is played crisply and teams – are throwing the ball down the field and guys are just making great plays on the ball and things like that. Or there's big hits jarring the ball loose. It's not just guys dropping it. It makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. But when you have guys dropping balls, when you have defensive coordinators uh, having their corners lay off when their quarter opposing quarterback can't even get the ball 20 yards down the field with the protection he has, when you have bad strategic and clock mismanagement, when you have a quarterback throwing the ball up for grabs, that's when a low-scoring game becomes really, really ugly. Um, you know, the, the NFL's product this year is just – it's too many bubble screens. It's uh, too many guys seemingly not knowing what they're doing, dumb penalties, miscommunication between quarterback and receiver. Hopefully this stuff will work itself out. But when we said, I don't know, you know, we, we did the power rankings this week – we were having a hard time picking seven good teams in the league. Oh, on on top of that, the quarterback talent, I know this doesn't have everything to do with you're talking about, but the quarterback talent just isn't there compared to what it was a few years ago. Like there's there's some good quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. But the problem is is there's too many divisions with zero good quarterbacks or one good quarterback. And a lot of times that one good quarterback is struggling. Like in Tampa Bay, in the, the NFC South right now, Tom Brady is light years better than every other quarterback in the division, and he's really struggling right now. Yeah. So that makes for games that just aren't that exciting to watch. Absolutely. And, you know, Marcus has this really great idea of doing the missing rings, the 2003 Dallas Cowboys. But we were talking about 2003 uh, yesterday, and not on our podcast, but – Marcus and I just being nerds. And when I saw Tom Brady's quote about cruddy football, I kind of went back to 2003 because that's when Tom Brady won his second Super Bowl with the Patriots. And I was like, well, was football better in 2003? Was NFL football? And I was like, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent, thousand percent. Yes. 2003 football was more quality. I saw a tweet tonight from an agent and I'm trying to remember who it was. And I thought, now that's a really, really smart take. Um, and his thought was, since the 2011 CBA, when the pay scale got into place, you now have very, very few. You Basically, his point was, you have no middle class in the NFL. No. You've got high-paid veterans, and you've got guys that are on the rookie minimums, or you have veterans that, that are willing to take the minimum, which the kind of veteran that takes the minimum is usually well past their prime or, you know, just a very, very average player. But the decent 
to good player that used to be a staple of the NFL pre-2011, guys that make like, I don't know, Marcus, what do you think? Like $5 million a year? I, I would player, say between 5 to $8 billion a year. They're yeah. gone. Those they're guys gone. are gone. And because of that, what you have are kids from, you know, North Dakota State that aren't sure what they're doing out there yet. They're, they're, but they're pretty good special teams players. So the special teams coach will pound the table for them and say, hey, we know he's got a learning curve playing linebacker, but he can help us right now on punt team. Those guys are playing and they're getting a lot of snaps. And because we've had so many little injuries and dings so far with, without having much of a training camp anymore and then no preseason hardly anymore, these guys are having to play 30 plays a game, Marcus, and you see it out there on the field. And to your point, let's just pick a position, wide receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Here are the non-rookies that are making between 4 and $10 million a year, okay? Mm-hmm. It's Kendrick Bourne for the 49ers. It's Braxton Berrios. It's Cedric Wilson. And that is the entire list, the entire list of players between 5 and $10 million at the receiver position. So if we just picked – any year, but we'll, we'll, we'll go to 2003. So this is, I was teasing Marcus. This is like in the height of his fandom. He's 12 years old. You were devouring every Lindy's, every street and Smith. Mm-hmm. You had football cards. How many of mid tier good receivers were around in 2003? And I bet you there's just a ton, like a, a, a ton of guys that weren't stars I mean, if we just went in the NFC East alone, I could start with the Cowboys and go Terry Glenn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you you could just go down the line with every team and find uh, good players that weren't necessarily uh, superstars. Amani Toomer, so on and so forth. I kill you. Does he count? Absolutely. Of course he counts. Um, the, I, I guess you would consider Moose and Muhammad a star, but you wouldn't consider <laughs> Marty Booker a star. Yeah. There's no yeah. Marty Bookers in the NFL. Ike Hilliard, I think, is a brilliant pull. There's no Ike Hilliards in the NFL right now. There's no Joe Juraviciouses in the NFL right now. None of those receivers that you just named are as good as Joe Juravicious. No. No. Isn't that yeah. crazy? We're just randomly, we're not looking at a list of guys. We're just literally, I'm, I'm cherry-picking guys. I, I'm trying to think memory. of some names from like that, like a peerless price. Right. Yes. There you go. He actually did sign a big free agent he, deal. He did, but I think at that point he was. Um, well, here's a couple. Brandon of, Lloyd was one of these guys. Yeah, I was going to say, what about Dion Branch? This is before Dion Branch became a Super Bowl MVP. Troy Brown. Troy yeah. Brown was never a big, you know, high price guy. I, I mean, it's it's just remarkable. Bobby, Ingram. how many of the what's that? Bobby Ingram. <laughs> There's that's perfect. No, I mean, you know, we laugh, but really it's true that there's so many of these guys. I'll, t- I'll give you one for Philadelphia, who used to get dogged out a lot. James Thrash. That's a good one. Yep. There, none of those guys you named, like, look, I like Cedric Wilson. He's a nice player. I'd much rather have James Thrash. Much more. All those kind of guys, the Kevin Curtises the, uh, of the Qu- world. Quincy Morgans of the world. The, <laughs> the Quincy Morgans. Of the world. Marcus's favorite all-time player, Antonio Bryant. Uh, the real 88, yes. But we're just picking one position, you know, wide receiver. You know, what well, about what about linebacker, corner? What about safety, running back? What about running, running back? back in today's NFL? I 
There are only three running backs that are making between four and twelve million dollars per year right now. It is Leonard Fournette, James Conner, and Rashad Penny, and that's it. There is no middle class at running back at all anymore. Wow, it's it's really remarkable. And I, you know, I'd, I'd always kind of thought of this that I've, you know, we've talked about young guys playing special teams and getting roster spots before. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's always been a part of football but that there really is no middle class in the NFL. You've got stars and you've got young players on their rookie deals. And that's pretty much it. All the guys making the veteran minimums, you know, who a great example of a player like that is uh, for the Cowboys, Anthony Barr, Mm -hmm. a guy that's making a very low salary. That's kind of at the end of the line. If Anthony Barr, if this was five years ago, Anthony Barr isn't signing for what he signed for for the Cowboys. Same thing. Same thing. Exactly. And so it lends itself to when you combine a hard landing preseason anymore, they don't practice as much in training camp. Uh, the fact that there's no middle class in the NFL anymore, you combine all those things. And then you have two teams that are particularly crappy on offense play on Thursday night. That's how you get what we had. Uh, if you have, uh, the ability to watch the 30 minute, minute uh, condensed version of this game, I would recommend you don't do it. Yeah, I neither um, would I. Please just don't call do it that. a day. Call it a day. Yeah. And uh, if you want to check the box score on this t- this game, I would just go ahead and stay away from that. You don't need the mojo from this game hampering your life. Uh, no, everybody performed poorly. Uh, nobody played well, except for a couple guys in defense. But that's it. There you go. There's your recap. Enjoy week Can five. We- <laughs> Can we can we just pull a football card in this on a good note? Anything. Well, I hope it's a Russell Wilson card. No. I don't care what it is. Just something to get us off All this. Right, first card. I'm I'm not even I'm not even pre-looking at this one. Oh, okay, here we go. I'm ready. Uh, Eric McMillan. It's a nineteen ninety pro set. Eric McMillan, part of a young Jets secondary with James Hasty. Uh so just out of curiosity. What do you think of that set that you're looking at right there? Uh, the cards are kind of bland, but they're not too bad. What's kind of weird is that's the second year that ProSet did cards. Did you know before 89 when ProSet did their first year, that's a 90 that you're looking at? Mm-hmm. All the cards were posed or, or guys sitting on the bench pretty much. You had almost no action photos. Like Tops did not do action cards pretty much. Almost all their cards were dudes with their helmets off on the sideline. So when ProSet came out, they did every card was a guy in action. So that was like really exciting for people. So even though that card looks a little bland to you, it was an action shot. That's my story. Look, I'm trying to keep it positive, man. Yeah, I mean, they, the, the old other ProSet cards, they, oh, here's a Roger Staubach card. Here you go. Yeah, that's a Super Bowl MVP card yeah, for what, Super Bowl six. Yeah, we got a Jake Scott card too. Look at that. Look how cool. Yeah, Super Bowl seven. Yeah. 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 There you go. Uh, I'm ready to go to bed. I I can't I can't talk about this game or football anymore. I I need a cleanse. You know how much that good colon cleanse would be great for you, bro. Uh, Trust me. I I feel like that game kind of gave me one. Yeah. Hey, go get yourself a high colonic and uh, think of Hackett football. That would be way more enjoyable than what we just watched. It's it's so ironic. I literally I just watched an '87 Cowboys game when Paul Hackett was their passing game coordinator. That's Nathaniel Hackett's 
father. And uh, it's just so weird. But I wanted to tell you that those pro set cards that you just pulled, all three of them, they're all worth about three cents a piece because they're mass produced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me give you a quote from Quentin Nelson to finish out this podcast. Are you Does ready? This count as your last word? Yes. Quentin Nelson okay. after the game. That was disgusting. <laughs> On that note, he's the host of uh, Locked On Cowboys. He, uh, he does that with Landon McCool. He also covers the Raiders for USA Today. You can follow Marcus at Marcus underscore Mosher. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. And uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. We hope that it was better than that game. Nobody left early like Broncos fans. It can't be worse. I promise you that. Golly, I feel for those people big time. Y'all take care. We'll talk to y'all on uh, Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend of football, everybody.